It's religion today, it's ideology today, and our secularist friends also have a faith. Some kind of Disneyland fantasy. I know how this is going to get heard in the secular world. Where the pseudo-Christian masks are off. That's nonsense, ladies and gentlemen. Apologetics isn't just about giving answers to other people's questions. It's also about learning to question other people's answers or even question the question itself. In a Christian worldview. So what's going on in the world? Quantum has been trying to look at this. This is now the hundredth episode of the latest incarnation of it. And what I try to do is consider world events from a Christian perspective. Now, what I'd like to do for this hundredth edition is offer you a an idea, a proposition. And I think that I, I best, let, let's call it the cultural revolution. Now, the cultural revolution in Mao's day led to famine. It led to disaster. It, it was something that was incredibly oppressive. And I believe that there's a cultural revolution taking place, particularly in the West right now. And so all of uh, these weeks, this week's stories tie in with that. It's not that we're not interested in other areas or other important issues, but I think this is serious. And I think actually the cultural revolution going on in the West right now is far more serious to our future prosperity and hope than COVID. So let's just begin with the story of a song that was sung by African-American slaves and was a way of celebrating or speaking of their freedom. For some bizarre reason, it appears that uh, Swing Low Sweet Chariot became the anthem of the English rugby fans. And now the English Rugby Union and Prince Harry want to stop it. A song that's there to celebrate freedom from slavery. They want to stop it because of its association with slavery. Now, this is part of the, the cultural iconoclasm that's just occurring in our culture, where people are so desperately woke, and you know what that word means. It's just trying to prove how, hey, we're, we're, we're on the righteous side, we're in the right cause. And it's, it's depressing to see how dumbed down it is, how unintelligent it is, how bullying it is. Now, let me give you another example. There was a murder in Reading. And a, a gentleman killed three men. It appears that he killed them. He was an Islamist. Um, although I don't think it's right at this particular point in time to blame Islam or anything for this. And I'll tell you why, because it's clear that there were mental health issues and there may have been drug issues. So we have to be really, really careful about that. But the three men he killed were gay and that was no coincidence. Now what I want to, can you imagine this? Imagine those three men had been black. 
Imagine that they hadn't been gay. And imagine that the person who killed them, even though he may have been mentally ill, was wearing a MAGA hat and was uh, perceived to belong to some far-right group or did belong to some far-right group. Do you think for one moment that our press and our politicians would not have used that as an example of this is what happens when you encourage racism? But has there been a word said about Islam? No, because they're scared about Islamophobia. Even Stonewall, even Pink News did not stress the fact that, in fact, the fact, the Pink News went so far as to say, look, we must not blame Islam because we don't want to encourage Islamophobia. Well, you'd think that that was very magnanimous of them, except for this. If it, as I say, if it had been some kind of right-wing guy who had not been particularly mentally well but had done it, they, they would have gone full swing for it. Racism is a horrible thing. I, I've, I wrote a piece for Premier Christianity and they asked me to write it, I suspect, because they couldn't get any other church reader to write it. Not defending racism. Absolutely abhorring racism. You can read the article for yourself but not agreeing with Black Lives Matter. And that appears to be blasphemy. So, but racism does occur. Just have a look at it for yourself anyway. I've had Christians call me a racist for writing about why I hate racism. Just because I don't buy into the current zeitgeist. We have to be really careful with this. Now, you get right-wing racism. Of course you do. You get extreme far-right who'd be racist. But you also get left-wing racism and left-wing people don't like to hear that. So... There's a clip, and I'm not. We're not going to play it because it's obnoxious. Of a young white man yelling at a black guy and using the N word, and I'm not going to use it. And that would normally be headline news and an example of racism. But what? Why is that not headline news now? Why? Because he's one of the woke generation and the black guy is yelling at as a policeman. So it's okay to use the N-word for a black policeman. But not for anyone else. Honestly, it's gross. Okay, I'm gonna we're gonna take a kind of little musical break because I was doing the ten albums that have most influence on me. And this actually ties a little bit in with our culture as well. It's from the Swedish philo- philosophers Bjorn and Benny. It is a rich man's world, and it's the rich who are determining, who are the cultural imperialists at the moment. It's not the poor who are leading this kind of, it's not the working class. It's the middle class, and it's the wealthy. They're the woke. The most woke people you will get are the mega corporations and the billionaires. 
It's not people who live, say, where I live in Sydney. This is not people who live in West Sydney, in the poorer communities. It's people who live in Newtown and the eastern suburbs and the North Shore. Who are all standing for the poor and who are all meant to be progressive and left-wing. But they're not. They keep their money. But they stand for what are called progressive courses, but are really regressive ones. And that is tied in with this cultural revolution idea. Because during Mao's cultural revolution, the students who were so enthusiastic thought by destroying the past, they would change the present and they would create a perfect future. And it didn't work out. It never works out. But you look at any of the pictures of statues being tumbled, and we're talking here not just about slave traders. We're talking about a desire to bring down the statue of Abraham Lincoln. You look at any of these people and they're cheering and yelling as though this is something, some great event. And it's not. It's vandalism. It's wicked. It's stupidity. In an article in Unheard, um, which again I put a link to, uh, this paragraph comes up. Woke activists, in contrast, comparing with the Leninists of the past, the Bolsheviks of the past. And by the way, the Bolsheviks were 0.01% of the Russian population, yet they still took control. But this uh, writer says this, the woke activists, in contrast, have no vision of the future. In Leninist terms, they are infantile leftists, acting out a revolutionary performance with no strategy or plan for what they would do in power. Yet their difference from Lenin goes deeper. Rather than aiming for a better future, woke militants seek a cathartic present, cleansing themselves and others of sin is their goal. Amid vast inequalities of power and wealth, the woke generation bask in the eternal sunshine of their spotless virtue. That's so spot on. You know, when I wrote the piece about racism, I knew I'd be called a racist. And I've had plenty white people say, well, you're a racist because you're white. And I say, okay, I'm not a racist. I really do not think anyone should be judged by the color of their skin. I just don't care about the color of your skin. But you're admitting to being a racist, so I think you ought to deal with that. And when I call them a racist, they go absolutely mad. No, individuals are not racist, it's cultures. Go figure. Part of, I, I want to move to something a little bit different, but it's a shocking revelation that has come from Berlin. Now, this is very important because my belief is that in this cultural revolution, as we've moved various aspects of, particularly in sexual morality, we are going to move towards an acceptance of pedophilia. Now, I believe that in the early 1970s, Western society was moving towards that. And then for some reason, which I still don't know what it is, by the end of the 1970s, pedophilia was the absolute sin. But I think we're going to head back that direction. But And this is where it leads. The Kentler Project in West Berlin routinely placed homeless children with pedophile men, assuming they'd make ideal foster parents. And a recent study has found that the practice went on for decades. It was a 1970s psychology professor, Helmut Kentler, who um, he himself, they were pedophile foster fathers. They even received a regular care allowance. And this practice was condoned for almost 30 years, almost to the turn of the century. Professor Kentler was in a leading position at Berlin Center for Educational Research, and he was convinced that sexual contact between adults and children was harmless. The child welfare offices, the governing Senate, turned a blind eye or even approved of this. That's where the Cultural Revolution leads. 
All right. Um, there is a pushback against it as well. There's a wonderful gentleman here in Australia called Greg Sheridan. Um, listen just to a wee bit of this. We, we did a, a 30-minute interview with him on, on Third Space, and you can, you can get that on the website as well, and it's well worth listening to. As I say, great to be with you. I'm the foreign editor of the Australian newspaper. Um, I've been a journalist for a little over uh, 40 years, um, 36 of them with The Australian. I was the Washington correspondent, the Beijing correspondent, uh, and a couple of years in Canberra as the foreign affairs writer. But um, And I've been foreign editor for a long, long time. So my day job is foreign affairs, good fun stuff, China, the Communist Party, Donald Trump, North Korea, nuclear missiles, all that. But uh, as you know, Steve, I've also been a lifelong uh, Christian and um, uh, from time to time in my professional life, I've written columns about Christianity and I was motivated a, a few years ago to write a book, uh, A Defence of Christianity, partly because I saw the culture becoming so um, unsympathetic, even indeed hostile to Christianity. And um, the culture had also lost a lot of uh, corporate knowledge you know, just things that it used to know about Christianity and therefore about humanity and life. So I thought I could make a tiny contribution um, to, uh, you know, if there's a great ocean of human discourse, this was my little thimbleful to, uh, to add to it. And um, Now, and Greg points out that there is a pushback against um, this kind of progressive ideology. Some of that pushback is going to lead, I think, to far-right authoritarianism. I, I Ironically... The far left are the biggest recruiters for the far right. But there are also things where um, there's a more hopeful future. I honestly believe that. And I think as we communicate the Christian gospel, which is the ultimate answer, nonetheless, there are signs that many, many ordinary people have just had enough of all of this. And we need to provide a better story. And I think Greg is an example of that and you need to read his book, God is Good For You, which really does help that. All right, let's come back to where this cultural revolution is going and let's come to Newcastle. Um, I love this song. Sitting in a sleazy snack bar sucking sickly sausage rolls Slipping down slowly, slipping down sideways Think I'll sign off the door Cause the fog on the tine is all mine, all mine The fog on the tine is all mine The fog on the tine is all mine, all mine The fog on the tine is all mine That was Lindisfarne. Well, there is a fog on the tine that's come. It's an extraordinary story. It's one we've covered before. And that is the banning of Franklin Graham. Now, you don't have to agree with everything Franklin Graham says. That's not the issue. But does he have the freedom to say things that other people might disagree with? Not in the United Kingdom. Newcastle City Council leader Nick Forbes is in a fog, obviously, because he, he recently bitterly attacked Franklin Graham and the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association for um, taking legal action because of the fact that they've been banned from Newcastle's Utilita Arena. Now, this is what he says. We do not tolerate or accept his peddling of controversial, repulsive views about the LGBT community and his disgusting, outdated comments on sexuality. And he went on to say, 
Newcastle will not be bullied. We will not waver in our fight against social injustice and we do not tolerate hate speech in any form. Having just said that Graham is like a petulant child. This is remarkable, absolutely remarkable. Um, and he says, we're a city that's proud to have vibrant, diverse communities, a city where people are accepted and welcome for who they are. Unless, of course, they're Christians or, dare I say it, uh, Perhaps the provost, perhaps Mr. Forbes, is not aware of what Islam teaches about homosexuality. I doubt he would make that same kind of criticism, would he? A city that celebrates the LGBT community and has a history of battling all forms of inequality. I don't think so somehow. I think there's a great deal of inequality in Newcastle. Um, he talks about we need to come together as a city to heal these divides. And so he mocks and attacks the Christian view of sex and sexuality. This is where the cultural revolution leads. It's not a, uh, it's not tolerant. It's not diverse. It's not equal. It is monochrome. It is one philosophy only that is permitted. And it's fundamentally intolerant. And it also leads to an irrationality. So. There's a story from California. Just let me tell you this. It's hard to believe, but it is true. In Oakland, California, a resident found five ropes tied to trees in a park. They were removed because he thought that they were a symbol of the lynching of African-Americans. However, thousands of other residents had seen that. Uh, one called Victor Sengby said, well, this is crazy. It's just a rope swing. But, and that should have been it. But the mayor of that town said, we must start with the assumption that these are hate crimes. The Cultural Affairs Commission member said they must be made an example of. And the fact that they were swings doesn't matter. I want to be clear. Listen to this carefully from the mayor. Regardless of the intentions of whoever put those nooses in our public trees, in our sacred public space here in Oakland, intentions don't matter. Doesn't matter what you meant. Doesn't matter if you meant them as a rope swing. You're intention is irrelevant. It's what the bureaucracy will persecute peace people on the basis that even their actions could be perceived as hateful. That's a terrifying, terrifying development. Speaking of terrifying developments, um, Mr. Ian Blackford, SMP leader in the House of Commons, I've just received a message about this right now and I'm going to tell you about it. Uh, Ian Blackford has supported a proposal that is being put forward to the government to ban any kind of protest or demonstration outside abortion clinics. This is the same Mr. Blackford who professes to be a member of the denomination that I belong to, the Free Church of Scotland. I'm ashamed and I'm embarrassed and I want to know what the church is going to do about it. He sins continually. This is an this is there is no the support of abortion is sinful but that's where the new culture goes be careful it even infiltrates the church but i i want to give a little bit of good news um here's a song have you seen the old man in the closed down market Picking up the paper with his worn-out shoes In his eyes you see no pride 
and held loosely at his side yesterday's paper telling yesterday's news so how can you tell me you're lonely and save for you that the sun don't shine let me take you by the hand and lead you through the streets of London show you something to make you change your mind of course Ralph McTell the streets of London and the Guardian just published a report saying that London is more religious and socially conservative than the rest of Britain confounding perceptions of the capital as liberal and secular um, the proportion of people identifying religious is 62% compared with 53% in the rest of Britain one in four Londoners attend a religious service at least once a month compared to one in ten outside the capital. Londoners are nearly twice as likely to say sex before marriage is at least sometimes wrong and also to be opposed to same-sex relationships. So much for liberal London. One in ten Londoners, by the way, identify as Muslim. That's 10% compared with less than 2% outside the capital. Fascinating, isn't it? Mind the gap. Mind the gap. Another thing the Cultural Revolution does is it rewrites history. Um, Peter, who uh, edits this for me, who produces this, uh, sent me this on Henry Dunvass. And I looked at the Wikipedia article, and people are attempting to rewrite the history of Henry Dundas. The internet now is in a place where it can deliver instant chaos on a worldwide scale. Irvin Welsh, for example, said at the illegal Edinburgh demonstration, for which he's not being prosecuted, that Dundas was 100,000 times worse than Jimmy Savile, the child sex abuser. Unbelievable. So they rewrite history and they rewrite biology. The body shop just put out a message saying, here's why we reached out to J.K. Rowling. By the way, reached out, yeah. Poured hatred upon her. Here's why we reached out. We stand with all menstruators. People have periods. Men, women, and non-binary people. Women don't have periods. Sorry, got that wrong. I'm getting so confused by all of this. Men don't have periods. Women have periods. Men don't have periods. That's it. But the body shop, another corporation, goes against science. They're against science. They're against history. They're against truth. They're against reality. They're against equality. They're against diversity. This is where the cultural revolution goes. And I am so frustrated that people in the church don't see this and don't stand up to it. They just find what the latest woke cause is and jump on to show how nice Jesus is. Jesus is coming one day in judgment upon this sick and sin-filled world. Meanwhile, we have to go and communicate the message of his forgiving grace and his love and tell people to repent and to believe. There won't be belief without repentance. There won't be salvation without repentance. All right, that's it. That's the 100th edition over. But I had to say this. Um, I feel that there's a passing of an era. I think the only person who would make me feel this more than the person I'm just mentioning, Dame Vera Lynn, is the Queen. I think when the Queen dies, 
I, I, that will be the end of a world that I have known, at least in the UK. We meet again, don't know where, don't know where, but I know we'll meet again some sunny day. When I heard that she died, I found myself strangely moved and um, sorrowful about it because it does feel like the passing of an age. Her songs during the Second World War were optimistic. She said she didn't do sad songs. She reached out, she connected with people. I love the fact that during the war, she traveled to Egypt and to Burma to minister to the troops. Well, she's just died aged 103 and it is the passing of an era we'll meet again don't know where don't know when for the christian of course we can we are able to look at our hope being in heaven but uh, this is a world right now that is being turned upside down in my view in a bad way and we need to proclaim christ so it will be turned upside down in a good way Thanks for listening. Please do send us news and views. You've got any comments, you've got any ideas, you've got any news, or if you'd contact me, or if you'd like to support this, please go to the Podbean fundraiser. But God bless you. We'll meet again, hopefully next week.